Hi, everybody. Before we start the show, I just want to remind you, I will be at Twin Cities Con November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. It will be at the Minneapolis Convention Center. I'll be there at a table uh, selling my comics, artworks, and, of course, promoting the show. I love to see fans, talk to fans of the show, as well as, you know, general people who just like to be at Comic-Cons. So come see me at Twin Cities Con this month, next month. November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at the Minneapolis Convention Center. I'll put the link down below so you can buy your tickets early, and I believe there's a discount if you do it in advance before you go to the gate. So check that out. Twin Cities Con. I'll see you there. All right, we're here with Dan Howard, and he knows it's um, dedication time. So, Dan, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? I would like to dedicate this episode to all the amazing people I've worked with and on film over the years because they they make it exciting. Like they, they they help me to stay enthusiastic about it. Right. I this is kind of a spoiler, but this is kind of why I do the show is because I get to meet. You know, it's hard to work on a set because you're working, you can't really mm-hmm. socialize. Right. And then you're like, all these great people. And then you go away and you never really see some of them ever again. And you're like, I, just, I need someone like this just to hang out and talk to them. There are certain yeah. sets you can kind of social, but then you're like, oh, shit, I really should be doing something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Back to work. Right. I always remember that. So, yeah. Wonderful dedication. Oh, wonderful. Uh, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast with your host, Nick Palatichuk. Each episode, Nick interviews filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. I'm Carly Palillo, and thanks for listening, and thanks for finding us. Please give us a review, and feel free to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And now, lights, camera, action. All right, we're back on, and today we have... Dan Howard. Yeah, it's a pretty easy name, right? Yeah. Has anybody in the world screwed up your name? Um, couple times. Uh, really? There's, I mean, usually, okay. usually it's like they'll call me Don or oh, that kind of yeah, right. or, or I, they call you Howard Dan. Some sometimes, or I had back in college, like this one dude called me Matt for some reason. Was he in an altered state? And he was serving food, so I hope not. <laughs> 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 All right, Dan's coming on the show because he just. Um, I, I know you did the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just give everybody, my fans and listeners, because um, you just released it, right? Yeah, I or just finished it. I mean, I finished it um, like a year and a half ago, and then it's been kind of going like the film festival circuit. It was up at the Duluth Film Festival oh, back yeah, in March. That's yeah. wonderful. That's that's. That's very cool to get in there. there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was a great time. Mine got rejected. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying mine didn't have a lot of rejections before this. But Duluth but... is pretty. That's hard to get into, and then people don't really. If you're outside of Minnesota, people mm-hmm. are not really familiar with that. That's pretty prestigious. Yeah. So you got into Duluth Con, Duluth Superior Film Festival, man. Yep. Um, I don't believe it was that particular one. Oh, there's a um, different one in there. Yes, I'm a little sleepy, so I'm like blanking on the name currently, but looking it up right now. Yeah, the the Minnesota Film Festival is what it was called. Minnesota Film Festival. Yep, it was it was the first annual Minnesota Film Festival up up in Duluth. So nice. It was yeah, it was interesting. Like my film got paired like with. It was in this category of like memories and landscapes. That's what the block it's very, very was called. Very unique kind of a category. That it you know. was. It was mixed in with these films from like South Korea or like Oklahoma, Russia, just like from all around the world. Well, that's so nice. It's kind of have a like a melting pot almost mm-hmm. of diversity, kind of a uh, film festivals because film festivals can get can get kind of homogenous mm-hmm. a little bit kind of it's the same thing same thing yeah and um it's what's the title of it um the title is psych light so p s y c h then light like all one word light mm-hmm. psych light that's right yeah who came up with the title because that's an interesting title um 
I can't tell you where I came up with the title. Like it just it had to do with that memory part of it. Oh, so um, it's your title. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the story like it, it revolves around this man Julius. He's having these recurring dreams about like deep space. Like and you like you've when you watch the film you'll see like you know the astronaut kind of floating in the void and like he doesn't know what these visions mean. Is that kind of the start of it? When yeah. You, the idea when before yeah. you start writing is just this. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, this was a whole process over the last few years. Like it's a very different script from what I originally had, but ultimately, like he is drawn towards these like these aliens, these supernatural type beings that are like in the woods. They're reviving plants to like. They're reviving plants to observe them, like for their own extensive knowledge. And he comes across one of them who, like, she wasn't careful enough. She saw, like, he saw her. Yeah. And she's like, no, wait, I want to know more. So that's. that's Just the catalyst. That's your idea. That's the core that started this whole thing. Yeah. Because my, my thinking was, well, how many movies have we seen where. Like, oh, yeah, the aliens are coming, but we need to kill them before they kill us. Like, how many times have we seen that movie? Right. I wanted to do something more along the lines of Arrival. Arrival, like Close Encounters kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, something where it it is more, not to sound pretentious, but more on, like, an intellectual standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, Contact. Yeah. Carl Sagan wrote, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, where aliens are trying to communicate with you but you don't have the intelligence to respond mm-hmm. and you need to think the way they do right and it was kind of the, the thing because like and I, I believe in the beginning contact they just spit out prime numbers mm-hmm. and that shows you that they're a little bit smarter their dots wasn't morse code it was prime numbers to understand we understand mathematically yeah. can you speak to us yeah i mean i, I like that i like that wave because it's it's challenging not to just mention mm-hmm. that's a bang up shoot up kind of a sci fi. Yeah. yeah. I do like more of the, the close encounters way that the aliens used to communicate where it was like the tones. Like I'm guess yeah. like I'm guessing maybe they they did their research about us and they're like, Oh, like maybe this would be the best way to communicate with them because Right. You know with music, with sounds mm-hmm. and tones and everything. Yeah. I would imagine if we have to some a very high intellectual alien species that you're going to probably have to own. Well, Carl Sagan believed you have to communicate them mathematically. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg's like, you have to probably communicate it with them using tones and music. Yeah. So, I mean, music is a universal language. So, yeah. So you might have to almost like combine the both mm-hmm. or something like that. So that's kind of an interesting um, psych light. Is it a short film? It is a short film. It's just over 15 minutes long. Oh, wow. Um, so. How did you cram all this content into 15 <laughs> minutes? Um, it was, mo- I mean, the film is mostly just like talking, you know, just like conversing with, right. the, with the beings. But I mean, yeah. I, bo- I, I mean, you know, you boil it down to the essentials. Would you ever be interested in extending it to like a full feature? Um, it's not something that I've considered. Right okay. now, um, it's I mean, based like with how it ends, people have asked me like, oh, is there going to be more like right. eh, not not at the moment. But <laughs> I mean, may, maybe if there's like somewhere else the story can go, then sure. But yeah. at this point, there's like no plans for it. So how many um, rewrites did it go through? Um, it went through a couple. Okay. At least I tried to get it made back in like 2019. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember you kind of shouting out. Yeah, it was the, the original title was Starlight, and I, I, I kind of realized that like it's it's kind of a generic title. Like, right, there's probably it, a lot of films called that. You know, it is kind of the generic. You know, using light and star mm-hmm. combinations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then, like when COVID hit. Um, I work in a bunch of like theaters in Minneapolis, so it's like, of course, that work all got shut down. Um, I was stuck inside for, you know, months like we all were. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I'm going to use this time to just watch all the movies that I've been meaning to watch. But like now that I have all this free time, because before COVID, I had not seen like Goodfellas or Taxi Driver or anything like that. Oh, good. So like you went to Scorsese. 
I went. I watched as much as I could, like whatever I could watch. Like, but a lot of them were films that I'm mad at myself for not watching sooner. Because <laughs> um, before I was always working a lot, I felt felt like I didn't have time. You don't to have watch. Well, you, you know, you didn't have the opportunity like me working yeah. at a video store. When you're done with the shift, you can take a bunch of movies yeah. for free home and watch them like till four a.m. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think I was born in the wrong generation there. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but so, like, after I started watching all these films, like, that's when I got into, like, Kurosawa and David Lynch and stuff like that. And my writing and my viewpoint as a filmmaker in general just, you know, evolved from there. And that's what caused, like, the script to change. Like, I was thinking more in a visual sense because there is there are little homages to Lynch and Kurosawa in the film but they're kind of subtle so well there's it's hard to stray away from what they accomplished right yeah um they kind of laid down a template of crafting movies oh yeah um I like that David Lynch it the, the the deceiving thing of David Lynch is how quiet they are and it's not quiet it's sound engineering of different variety of noises mm-hmm. there's not just heavily bombarded sound yeah which I've, i think probably interesting for you to borrow from because in space you have to work with a little more sound because you're not just bombarded with mu- mm-hmm. you know, music and the fanfare would you know like star wars but you have to mm-hmm. craft something that inter- keeps the thread going of the story with music mm-hmm. something i mean something i noticed about lynch's films is like there's a lot of like wind noises throughout his films like yeah. you notice it in like twin peaks Firewalk with me and mulholland drive Eraserhead, and so that's it just to me that was one of the coolest most eerie things and i wanted to kind of include that in my film as well because it happens in a dream sequence that's how the film starts out yeah and, you know, it's a dream. Nothing's going to really make sense in a dream. Well, it's nice to have dreams in movies because you can kind of step out of the boundaries mm-hmm. of your movie logic. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you really have the room to experiment Yeah. with that. And me being fascinated by dreams in general, I felt like that was a good stepping stone to making movies about that. Right. So um, when did you start? So you went... How long was like pre-production of this, like the rewrites and everything getting? Um, I mean, getting the script to where it needed to be took a couple years. And then we filmed in April, May of 2021. So, okay. Yeah. Just when it kind of released a little bit of the restrictions. Yeah. So um, how many people were on set for you? How many did you kind of run up for like a crew? Um, it was more of a skeleton crew, because uh, I only had, there's only really three characters in the film. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we had a cinematographer, lighting, um, I would say probably between 10 to 15 people. Right. That's, well, that's how many I get for my short films. Sometimes yeah. that's all you need. Right. Because sometimes if you get too much, then yeah. it kind of leads into what we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Didn't start talking to each other. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then almost, I've been on set for 10 hours and we only got two minutes of footage. Let's go. Um, so where did you shoot it at? Uh, I actually did it practically in my backyard. Um, I I was driving around. like I, I would drive like two hours up north to try to see like what kind of wooded areas would be perfect for filming in. Yeah. And Here in Minnesota? Yeah. Just yeah. like. I can't remember exactly where I went, but like I know there's like building ruins. Like I wanted to try to have like kind of like an old decrepitated building that right. they would like meet in and converge. Like that's how they met. That's how they would meet for the first time. But okay. um, everywhere I looked, it's like the, the the buildings were too far out there, down like a steep hill. It's like, well, that's not gonna work. Um, but then it's like I just walked around like a park like by my house where I grew up and there's like these wooded areas the trees are nice and spread out it's like okay this is perfect actually this is exactly what I had in mind so I I only had to drive five minutes but um everyone else like they everyone else was fantastic like they made the drive they were just the best crew to work with well, especially if you're going to shoot exteriors out in Minnesota, the park. Um, yeah. 
kind of surrendering to the whims of nature. Oh, so did yeah. you get lucky with the forecast out there? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's what happened to me with my short film because we, sh- we were going to intentionally shoot an exterior mm-hmm. in December thinking automatically when I was writing, of course we're going to have snow. Mm-hmm. And that was the year we didn't give me a, a, a pack of snow on the ground until like December yeah. 20th. Mm-hmm. And we shot it like early December and there was no snow on the ground, but it was cold. Yeah. It's like, Dang it, we're missing the aesthetic of snow. So you kind of, yeah, when you get lucky mm-hmm. sometimes with exterior. So I mean, I I was on um, horror film like as a PA, and then like I got promoted to actor. The Curse of Raven Heights, you know, Wesley Johnson, Blair Smith, like oh yes, film. of course. So I yeah. feel like I had the same problem with my film that we did that whole time I was on their <laughs> film. So like the curse kind of followed me because um, when we made Curse of Raven Heights, it was like the last week of October. We were thinking, like, oh, it's going to be fine. It snowed. It was, like, 40 degrees yeah, or yeah. cold. The entire time, it was, like, we had to do overnight shoots where I only had a couple layers of clothing on and, like, 20, 15 degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> and when we f- shot my film, it, this was, like, towards the end of April. Like, we started on my birthday. Psych Light, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We started Psych Light on my birthday that year, actually. And... Yeah. Of course, the two days that we were filming in that park, they were the coldest days out of the week. <laughs> like, they were 40 degrees both days. So, it was like, ah, oh, jeez. So, for me, it was yeah. like, okay, well, I mean, maybe because it's colder, there'll be less people at the park. Um, right. There weren't that many people at the park that first day, but the second day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you're shooting exteriors out of Minnesota, um, I have a higher appreciation of Fargo now, mm-hmm. uh, how much exterior... <laughs> shots they did in the winter yeah <laughs> especially yeah. on the highway when there is no escape from the nature in the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie it's like this blowing wind and you know the camera guys are out you know there's a crew out there that yeah filming. yeah to maybe take 15. you have to really do you have to really love what you do to deal with yes. those temperatures i like at the deceiving point that people think it's all just glitter and candy and just fun making movies but there is a grueling thing that you better really love to do this mm-hmm. to sacrifice to get it done um may i ask who did the cinematography for you um david vasquez did okay um he's fantastic i had worked with him before um i made actually made a, a feature film when i was 20 but it didn't go anywhere it was not very good <laughs> it's not gonna be it's not gonna be for the public masses to observe uh, right? not not for a long time no i mean don't get me wrong everyone who was on the film like they did an amazing job with you know what they were given to work with and i love them i appreciate them i always said um, it before and i'm sorry to interrupt you but um, making movies is almost like making pancakes mm-hmm. make your first one it's going to be a disaster throw it in the garbage and then now you can mm-hmm. start yeah i mean for me it's like i've Back then, it was more of like just an act of desperation, like just proving to myself that I c- yeah. can do it. Yeah. Um, but like making I've, your first pancake. Yeah. yeah. I've worked, I mean, I've, I've been working in like a backwards fashion. <laughs> the first thing that I made was a feature, and now this is my, like, Cyclite is my first short. Right. And now I'm trying to figure out, like, oh, what's a way that I can make a short film where it's like I don't have to spend nearly as much as I did for Cyclite, and yeah. that way I can get more made. You're doing exactly what I did with the comic book world. My first comic book I ever did was a 300-page graphic novel mm-hmm. that took almost 10 years to finish. And now I'm working back where I'm doing like maybe 20-page stories, where maybe I should have done the other way around mm-hmm. and then get a lot more money from doing smaller things to accumulate to make a three and didn't take mm-hmm. the time to work a 300-page. Yeah. yeah. So I worked the opposite like you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you also yeah. do a kind of pop music. You get your two-minute song on the radio, mm-hmm. and then you can do your ballad or whatever. Yeah, but, um, Aerosmith did it the wrong way too. They did their <laughs> first, their big hit was "Dream On," which was not radio friendly. No, and it was a ballad. And it, um, like they said, we did it backwards too, where you did, and then they did the hit songs after that were three minutes, four minutes. So um, sometimes you learn better going backwards. But I understand. I love it that you. Did you go to film school? I did not go to film school. So you just um, went to film? I did go to film. I, I, I did go to music school for a couple of semesters, and then that kind of um, hindered my <laughs> musical pursuits, um, which is fine because like, I tried to be a singer-songwriter. It did not work out um, the same way that was working out for everybody around me, so that just made me feel self-conscious. But when I was in my second semester, 
of music school and this was this was at mcnally smith yeah so and it, it was before they shut everything down completely screwed over their students um that's all so i got out of there just in time um but it was in my second semester that i just started writing scripts like it's not something i planned like i got an idea like i used to write a lot more when i was like a kid like you know when you're a kid you write you know those silly little comics that just like for fun um and i i had always thought about like oh maybe like because i when i was 10 i said yeah i want to be a filmmaker but for a long time it's like i didn't feel like that i could write for film so when and when i was 18 i just got this idea for like a, a tv series and i wrote like five six episodes from there okay and and I realized, yeah, I want to go back to doing film. Well, yeah, you, you cited a lot of people that, um, and I don't think people recognize, a lot of people who do film are kind of first tried out in the navigating field of music. You had like John Carpenter, who still mm-hmm. puts his music in his mm-hmm. films. You have David Lynch, who wanted almost to be in a music um, profession. Yeah, and now Michael Giacchino with Werewolf by Night that he just did last year. Yeah, um, like uh, David Lynch, Scorsese worked with musicians. His first film was just documenting a musician's last mm-hmm. waltz. So music has always been an avenue I think me, me, filmmakers should attempt to just explore, mm-hmm. maybe take a couple of classes because, especially now that sound is so prevalent in films, um, that an experience and background of music probably will help you out being a better filmmaker mm-hmm. because then you know how important sound design Mm-hmm. sound editing is in film um, one of my first things I always tell people is people will watch everything they won't listen to everything and you're, you have a great film but if your audio is just off or mm-hmm. tweaks the ears enough right so yeah. I think it's great that you kind of did music first because then you can get you understand film like oh that that kind of got a tone yeah. down or something like that so yeah yeah you think that's beneficial to you? I, I think so, because it's, you know, what what's film? It's the ultimate accumulation of art, like visual, audio. Yeah, um, it's the greatest goddamn piece of artwork ever out made. It yeah. really is. It really is. Yeah. Um, but, for I mean, for me, I don't think it was like to get into music to study film. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to be like, Jack White or like Eddie Vedder, you know. Right. But, yeah. but now it's yeah. I I realized like film is really where my true passion lies. Like that type of writing, not necessarily, you know, writing songs in the same way that those guys. Because like, I can't write lyrics for shit. I can't. <laughs> Neither save my Nelson life. John. That's why he hires like, Bernie to write. <laughs> that's <dirt>. that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So. It, how, what did you use for, did you use music for Psych Light? I did. Um, I worked with Seth Brand, um, the composer to, like, and he put, he put together a great score, like, and, and I put together a little bit of a, bit of the score myself, like the music you hear at the end, at the end credits, like yeah. that came from, that came from me. To start off, and then like I, me and Seth kind of collaborated on the music for that, based off that little bit of music that I had, and then I th- I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Seth just branched out like s- with the entire score of the film to where it could fit that. Nice, nice. So you both, I like that you guys kind of collaborated together because mm-hmm. you kind of know music already, mm-hmm. and you kind of know what you are interested in, kind of set the tone for. Um, that's yeah, and I think people. Especially when they're filmmaking, kind of think it's a secondary thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, we'll just do the music later. But I think you have to think it almost in pre-production right yeah. away. Yeah, no, I, I really try to be as prepared as I can going yeah. into making a film like that. Because if you know how you want the music to be, like when you when you can see the film in your head, that's when you're going to be able to make it the best way that you can. Yeah. Like Wes, like Wes Anderson, he has that film in his head 
like the moment he gets on set, he knows exactly what he wants. So, yeah. and it's just going to make production go smoother if you know exactly what you want instead of half-assing it. Like I, the day um, of, I don't try to do it as being petty, but I like to put camera movements or what they're doing in my script, mm-hmm. and it's just to t- convey to people when they read my scripts what I'm visually seeing. Mm-hmm. It's not a etch in stone kind of a thing, but you know, because somebody's like, well, that doesn't really work. I think it's more like a catalyst to have the conversation to collaborate mm-hmm. because if people understand clearly what you are seeing and what you're yeah. writing, then that helps. Even when you're understand. making the film, you're still writing like nothing, right. like you said, nothing's set in stone. Like you can change stuff yeah. the day of like, I, I had to do that on my film. Um, there's a moment in the, uh, the dream sequence in the beginning where I wanted the astronaut to turn facing Julius and like lift up, you know, the, the sun visor okay. and see that, you know, it's his face. Um, the helmet was, it, the helmet was specially like crafted. It was like two, um, Demi who plays Julius Demi's like head size, but not to where it could slide on and off of his head. <laughs> so we had to kind of rework that like, Oh, we could cut. So like, it's like going over your head looking like you're just taking the helmet off. Right. So it's, it's a lot of, um, and to me it worked out a lot better that way. People kind of forget. There's a lot of puzzle solving when you're on Mm -hmm. set, Mm -hmm. especially with, even if you're like Steven Spielberg, there's many outtakes of him problem solving on Jurassic park Mm -hmm. or on saving private Ryan on sets or something's malfunctioning or just, you can't do that shot different. You have to do Mm -hmm. something, figure something out. Um, yeah, he he likes to put himself in a corner. <laughs> he said so himself because that's when he's under that pressure. That's when he can problem solve the best. Yeah, I like the my favorite part with him is Jurassic Park. The building was not finished mm-hmm. constructing, and he's like, "Well, how about we just put that in the movie that they're not ready yet and yeah, still working go. on making it?" Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's I mean, it seems to always work out that way for Spielberg, doesn't it? Well, yeah. Like, if you I look think- back, if you look back at Jaws. That shark did not work the majority of the time. And then music. The yeah. music, yeah, but it worked out so much better Saved because he, almost, yeah, he yeah. figured out that, you know, oh, what you don't see is a lot scarier than what you do see. So I think if we saw more of the shark, it wouldn't have had that same effect. No. And especially, like when it jumped out of the water, it probably like, we're going to need a bigger boat, you know? Yeah, especially if you have music, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. another thing that he, music kind of, not really saved the movie because I think it's fantastic in all avenues. But right, when you don't see something, your mind fills in, fills in the blanks mm-hmm. a little bit, especially. I mean, that. having a great score does add a lot to the movie. Yeah. I mean, and it's John Williams, so yeah. you, you can't really go wrong. No, no. Yeah. God, where is he available to do my film that I'm, I'm making right now? <laughs> uh, who, uh, with her, after pre-production and then production, um, how did you um, get for sound for, since we're talking about sound? Did you get a sound uh, edit? Did you work with that, or is that with Seth too? Uh, that w- yeah, all the sound effects in there was okay. Seth as well. Oh, all right. So it's nice to have one person yeah. do music and then the sound engineering and mm-hmm. all that stuff, right? Yeah. No, um, I I had I mean I had seen a short film that a friend of mine, Alan Johnson, made for Z Fest. The great Alan right. Johnson. The, the great the short, Alan Johnson. Yeah, yeah the short film master on. Yeah, oh, he's great. I love him. Right. Um. But he he's the one that connected me with Seth because Seth did all the sound for his film because when they shot it, they did not have any sound right. like when they went to initially shoot the film. Right. But it's but I mean, it still sounded fantastic. So it's a, it's a big part of it. I think uh, people kind of sub, subconsciously know that it's needed. But to, once it pops out to you when you go to film class or film theory, mm-hmm. they'll tell you how important sound is. Like mm-hmm. you remember, if you just flash a frame of of even Jaws, you know the music, mm-hmm. something like that, or Psycho. The music mm-hmm. is prevalent. Um, how can people? We should have asked you this before we started, but how can people watch Psych Light? Um, it's on YouTube now. I can was. We put the link on there. Uh, yeah. You okay. Can, we'll yeah. Put, well, yeah. We'll include the link. But I was initially going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to wait till the film fest run is done. Then I'll put it on YouTube for and to share it with the world. Yeah. And yeah. then after that, uh, the Rife Film Festival up in Grand, Grand Rapids reached out because they 
had my film was recommended from the Minnesota Film Festival for them to include in theirs because it's their first year as well. So they reached out and they're like, yeah, we want to show it. So it's going to be showing uh, tomorrow, actually. In Grand Rapids. In Grand Rapids, yep. All right. So um, and, uh, this comes out to, so it's today. Yep. Te- yeah. By the time you hear this podcast, it today? is today, October 8th, part okay. of the 1 p.m. screening block. Um, and it'll be the last time you can see it in the theater for a while. Is it one of those film festivals that has to be 15 minutes? Because a lot of them do have a lot of requirements mm-hmm. for it. So it's 15 minutes including credits, or is this 15 minutes of film and then you got you know, credits? Um, about 15 minutes of film. Because like it's altogether the film is about like 15 minutes, 50 seconds. So Okay. All right. Uh, who edited this? Nice. I did. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you have all the Do you have the software and everything for that? I I edited it with Premiere Pro and everything. Like I had other amazing folks like uh, Madison Wood like help me with like the the VFX. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot that I needed, but it's like she was the one that like initially helped with the dream sequence and all that. So. And it's, yeah, it helps to have I think collaboration with editing, mm-hmm. even though you have like somebody edit, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> have other people sit down to know the process of editing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of where you make the movie. Mm-hmm. So right, and I think it's interesting that you're directing it, writing it, but you should be in the editing room at least. Yeah, right, especially for a short film. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's um, and I've heard other people talk about this before to where like they feel like they kind of like have to at least have a hand in the edit because it doesn't feel like their movie otherwise but i can understand you know just them straight up working with an editor and she tells you to get yeah yeah, giving them like full credit for the editing like tarantino has a woman like editing all of his films all the time thelma Mm-hmm. Uh, editing and she probably kicks him out of the door like, oh yeah yeah leave me alone <laughs> yeah so it needs a woman's touch sometimes um yeah i would think i i've had this conversation many times before that we should introduce female to films but not just in front of the camera we need like a sound um mm-hmm. we need editing i think um especially um if you think your movie is kind of swaying in a different way that it maybe has a, a like a, a woman editor can mm-hmm. kind of get a different perspectives i'm not saying that we'd have to just bombard it with females just because mm-hmm. but we need different varieties of sequences yeah i write scripts i love to give scripts to female writers and female creators mm-hmm. rather than just males because they get a different viewpoint of yeah what kind of craft yeah uh, i think i mean i think the the state of um like just film that we're in right now i mean you have women making stories about uh, you know their own lives or other women like Greta Gerwig I'm obsessed with her she's one of my favorites like I've yeah. I've seen like I saw Lady Bird and Little Women and Barbie all like at least twice in the theater yeah. when they I came think out Little Women so. was one of the best films her version in a long oh, it time. Was, oh it was the best oh. adaptation of that no- book yeah. for sure I mean I was looking at when I was watching that movie I was like this should win best costume and not because it's a timepiece but just know how to kind of frame composition color mm-hmm. and how everybody's dressed not to mention the match of their personalities mm-hmm. it's wonderful i mean i have a friend that would um disagree with that because according to her that was like inaccurate for the time period like the types of dresses and stuff that they yeah, wore but, but it's like well like we talk about it's movie logic it makes mm-hmm. sense for the movie it's not necessarily supposed to be for mm-hmm. back then right mm-hmm. but for framing that composition movie in the movie world it makes sense mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense yeah um doesn't make sense that you get an airplane to attack mm-hmm. cary grant in north by northwest <laughs> doesn't right. make sense at all but it's the most mm-hmm. recognized thing in the movie yeah yeah but yeah no so that's i mean that's what i love about like the the way a lot of the industry is today like you're giving not only women but like people of color like more of a spotlight just not only the films they make, but just like being on the crew or editing it or like the stunt coordinator. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I love it. Um, editing's hard because you are receiving the contents of the filmmaker mm-hmm. sometimes. So editing is kind of a, it's a touch and great kind of area because you can get a lot of great scenes and you know how to puzzle them together or you mm-hmm. can just get the worst mess of 
what the heck's going on? <laughs> and, yeah. And I mean, to, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like I just I wanted that experience, like doing everything right for exactly. my own film, because then like that way, like if I like say, well, I know how to do this, I can help my friend with their film. Like I can, if they ask me to edit it, I'm gonna do it because I know how to do it. Yeah. Like I always tell people, especially young kids, if they want to make movies, work in every department. Mm-hmm. Just get on set, just be a PA, and realize how they're doing everything. Yeah, um, that's the that's the most that's the better learning tool of if you want to be a filmmaker mm-hmm. instead of being a film critic and you just sit and watch the final product. Right. Um, then you can go into like film theory, film analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people who are film critics who like to judge movies but mm-hmm. have no interest making them, and. The best ones know how to critique what you have, exactly. Really which they wish they could see. Um, well, and a lot of times, you know, when you start off kind of critiquing movies, like you know what you like, what you don't like, like what you would want in your own film. Like I, like I write articles for the Trilon Cinema all the time, um, just talking about you know a movie that they have coming up that I really love that I think that they should go to the theater to see. Because it's just that good of an experience there. Um, yeah, I've always I just had this conversation on my YouTube channel with Kyle because we kind of disagree about editing for the film Pumpkinhead, and I had no problem with it. I thought it was wonderfully edited, probably the best edited film. And he thought it went a little bit, a little bit too long, that necessary. And I don't care how long a movie is. I don't necessarily care if you have the idea that it's constantly flowing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a three-hour movie that needs to be three hours wonderful mm-hmm. um especially like scorsese new one has about over three hour film and i'm sure he has a lot of content that he wants to cover but yeah if you have especially for pumpkin i don't care if a scene extends and david lynch is right who cares mm-hmm. how long a scene holds <laughs> who really gives, <laughs> a, gives crap? a fucking shit how long the scene is <laughs> right um if it's beneficial for the movie if you want to see the monster finally it works for me mm-hmm. um and that's where somewhere I think people judge movies where they what I want to see rather than mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you can start with movie critique movie saying I, then I'm done with you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like, especially for a lot of those big franchise movies, like if people are talking about like the new Spider Verse movie or the new Star Wars movie, then because everyone had their own stories in their head of like how they wanted the sequel trilogy to go or how they thought across the spider-verse should have went but at the end of the day it's like it like it's is the story that it is like if if you don't like it because it's not the story that you thought it would be in your head then you know go make your own movie um what's next for you um right now i'm I mean, I'm constantly writing um i'm writing a couple short films right now um going to go into writing another feature film um i'm going to go shoot in new york here at the end of the month just like get some state of new york or new york city new york city there we go all right yeah i'm going to be there for halloween so a part of like that's going to be a part of the short that i want to do next do some console footage yeah just while i'm going to walk second unit stuff um I'm gonna walk around with a Super 8 camera and just film New York on Halloween like that. <laughs> right, I like that. Kind of a little bit Gonzo, mm-hmm. kind of like second unit kind of stuff. Just gonna get a mm-hmm. flavor, maybe use it in the films. I like that. Um, well, I mean, the the next short that I'm gonna do, like it acts as both a love letter to New York and Minneapolis. So I'm gonna be shooting around the city as well here. Is that the short film or is that a long short film? A uh, short film. Nice, nice. When you write, um, do you write during the day or night? Uh, mostly during the night. Um, I tend to write at I, I tend to write at work a lot of the time, like because when the show starts, you're just kind of, you know, sitting around waiting for intermission or yeah. waiting to clean up the theater. Everybody's inside. It's oh, like, you work in a theater. Yeah. So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, like or- Orchestra Hall, um, Orpheum State Theater. So you're never really away from movies. Not not necessarily. Or, the, or act, just or, like art, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had some amazing, not only performers but actors come through. They're like the first year. It's not a movie theater; it's a stage theater. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, right, I work right. all the big Broadway shows that come through, or like 
Oh, the man. year I started at Orchestra Hall, I met Christopher Lloyd. So that to me is like, yeah, I, mean, I think I'm going to stick around. <laughs> These are the kind of people that are coming through. Sorry, my brain goes when you say theater, you automatically reflexes to uh, movie theaters. So, yeah, you even got the opportunity just to explore what you want to do mm-hmm. when you're at the theater. Then you can write at night. Um, well, I mean, even just I, I was not a theater person before I started working like at the Orpheum. And then I got more exposed to Broadway shows and like that. I'll, there are certain shows that like where Yeah, that does inspire me in my own work because it's not all just like, you know, all like big band show tunes. Like, sure. If you're if you have a show like hades town like that's real folksy like kind of jazzy it's got like a deep story i'm really interesting to see that that the tony's really like that movie oh yeah it was up for a lot of tony awards mm-hmm. so i really look i saw it with the original broadway cast like in 2019 and I it hate was you. all right get off my show <laughs> <laughs> and you got to see it while working yeah i mean no, i saw it in new york so oh i doubly hate you now yeah you, okay but <laughs> no, it's nice meeting you dan uh we're leaving now <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I I don't take any of it for granted. I feel very fortunate that I get that I do like work in environments where I am exposed to art constantly. Yeah, like that, and yeah. it, it just helps me to stay. It helps me to stay young at heart, I guess. Well, yeah, and I like it's, that because even when I have conversations with guests that come on my show and they're creative, it inspires me to get back to my stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's nice that you have to kind of be in around mm-hmm. the environment yeah. to get going. Um, yeah. So you write at night. Do you heck? Do you do outlines? What's that? Do you do outlines? Uh, most of the time, yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. I mean, of course, that outline ne- is never the same when I like go to actually write it. But okay, yeah, you know, it's just like a general like, oh, like yeah, this is how I want the story to go. Or a lot of times, it's like I'll have maybe like the beginning and end, like kind of a middle. I'm just like trying to f- figure out how to fill in the blanks as I go. Yeah. Like, I really try to let the writing lead me and not... Wonderful. I love that. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's... The story knows what it wants to be. I love that part when you write and it feels like you're not doing it. The story, you're just telling... The story is there and you're just flushing it out. Yeah. I love that sense. Yeah. No, it's that, that old saying, you have to be willing to kill your babies. Like, that's so true, especially when you're writing a feature because... I know, like, going back to Scorsese, he cut, like, three minutes of dialogue out of Killers of the Flower Moon because it just, he didn't feel like it was all that necessary to the story. So. You got to hurt it. mm -hmm. Um, And you can't, and I always tell people, you can't cut from nothing. So if you're going to do a short film for 15 minutes, my God, make 30 minutes of film, make 20 minutes of film. You know, maybe catch something that's also pieced together. Um, I mean, I wish we would have had the time to make 30 minutes of film, but um, it just wasn't necessarily the case with that shoot. How many cuts did you do? Because if you're on a tight budget, did you do like one, two or three takes or something like that? Uh, Yeah. And with the weather being the way that it was. um, (laughs) You don't want to be like take 20 out there, right? Yeah. And on that, I mean, that first day was probably the hardest because... um, Laura, Laura, who plays um, the elder, like in the film, we shot her stuff on the same day she was going to get her second COVID shot. So she, we were on like a, like a, yeah, like when this was her second vaccine, this was 2021. So it's like, oh, the second shot. Yeah. I I get now. Yeah. We had, so we had like a tight time frame to make it work. And it's like, I, I could tell that they were like, everyone was feeling close. Like, I know I'm sorry, but we we have to at least get through this once we get Laura's, Laura's stuff done and then we can all go sit in our cars warm up for a while. <laughs> so, and I, and I hate having to do that, but it's like just the weather worked against us that day and the clouds worked against us that second day. Bastards. Because the, you, when you watch the film, it's like you'll see some shots that are like brighter than others just because, you know, the sun's out where it wasn't before. So... Yeah, take it as it is. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're surrendering to the uh, nature. Yeah, and by by the time, and it's like during the shoot, it's like oh, f- like I, f- we forgot to get this one shot, this one angle. But I can't go. We can't go back to do it now because <laughs> it's like August and everything looks so different. Everything's in full bloom. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, uh, do you write to an ending or do you have an ending in mind? 
a lot of times I have the ending in mind um, okay. when I go to write it. It's not all the time, but the majority of the time I do, and I try to fill in that okay. the beginning and I, yeah, just try to fill in the blanks. My my script I'm working on now is going through its tenth draft in two years. Nice. Uh, it's a short film. Um, hopefully, it's going to be a short film, but that ending has gone through seven different changes and I did have an ending in mind and mm-hmm. it wasn't the ending that we're going to have for this film and that's because of I've been listening and getting a lot of feedback from a lot of people who've been reading my scripts and I understand and I, I you have to share your stories mm-hmm. you have to share your scripts you can't just work in a vacuum but um, you know it's got to that's what going back to talking about like letting the writing lead me like yeah. you know like don't settle for the 10th draft or even the 20th draft, like, like Lin-Manuel Miranda said, I love to quote that from him. But when I wrote that feature that I did like eight years ago, I intended to write it as a short film, but then the more I started writing, it's like, no, this needs to be a feature. Like, yeah, yeah I was writing a script for a comic book and I, it's, uh, I realized it's not going to work. It needs to be kind of a novel because it's just visually it's not going to inspire you mm-hmm. to read it as a comic book. It needs to be a novel so you can understand mm-hmm. the to, just the format of it of reading a text. Mm-hmm. And sometimes stories kind of prevalent to yeah you got to figure out if it's a movie how do you craft it to be interesting for a mm-hmm. movie. Um, if you didn't know he's wearing a Kurosawa T-shirt, <laughs> um, and Kurosawa knew you have to get your action out first mm-hmm. to entertain and then get your story down it's a template that um, Star Wars uses George Lucas uses Spielberg uses that your action Mm -hmm. and then you get your story and then the third act come back to the action Um, yeah now Kurosawa even said um, like when he was trying to give advice to like young filmmakers right away he said learn how to write because that's where your films are going to come from you need to have that script first and you need to enjoy writing yeah and you need to get that Action because you're working in a medium right away. Unless we want to be um, Tarkovsky, who just makes you want to bore you to death for the first ten minutes. So whoever is entertained to watch will stick around. Whoever mm-hmm. is going to not get the hell out. It's different kind of reaction that you want. Yeah, I I don't remember who said this for the life of me, but there's a quote that goes, um, "I prefer to watch films that make me." You know, semi bored, like almost falling asleep in the theater, but like days later, I'm still thinking about them. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot of Tarkovsky's work. I always, this is my, I always tell my students when I work with art students or when I'm critiquing movies, and my listeners know this um, when you're making art, is it memorable or unforgettable? If it's neither, you didn't make anything interesting. Mm hmm. Um, is it unforgettable? Are there things that in it that you or your audience will never forget they saw this movie? <laughs> <laughs> or is it memorable? There's certain things about it like, yeah, I remember. There's certain things about that movie I remember. And that makes a good movie. Mm-hmm. Great movies have both. I will never forget. I'll see in a Scorsese movie. And a Scorsese movie is memorable too. There are certain mm-hmm. things in it that are very memorable. There's certain things in it that are unforgettable. <laughs> um and that's what I judge movies on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I will never forget I saw that movie. And also it's memorable. There are certain things that are like, wow, I remember that. Or there's some things like, I will never forget that. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully everybody can kind of retain that. There's a reaction that you can get from yeah. the movie. Yeah, no, that was my first horror movie was Nightmare on Elm Street. Really? So when I was like 10 and I had nightmares from it, but... Good. I was uh, I was in second grade when I saw that, and I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> oh, I was I was very much not supposed to. Right, right, yeah, tenth, yeah, third grade, you're a little bit, yeah. Um, Again, you never forget your first. No, and I. Everybody talks about they miss Johnny Depp when he gets sucked in the bed. Uh, that awesome TV goes with, and nobody wants to talk about the awesome TV that gets sucked <laughs> in there, never seen again. Right. Um. So you're comfortable watching stuff when you write i understand like stephen king says shut down everything input because you might come flop over into your creativity you know if you're watching another movie that sometimes that bleeds into your craft but it seems like you kind of just absorb of everything yeah it, it has 
I don't. It doesn't affect my writing in any kind of negative way. If anything, it like add to it. Yeah. Like if I'm if I'm in the middle of writing something or shooting something, and then like I watch a movie that night where it had like this amazing shot. It's like, oh, you know, maybe this could actually work. Something like that could work for my film, and then like it'll just add to it. So, I no, I'm constantly absorbing, constantly evolving as a writer and director and which i think any is, also, is essential for any filmmaker yeah i always tell people and i think you're going to agree with me if you want to make movies start watching movies mm-hmm. watch everything mm-hmm. watch ba- great movies watch yep. bad movies yep. watch, watch movies that they're going to disgust you yeah watch, watch movies until you want to make your own read books till you want to write your own yeah right watch rom-com even if you i it's hard for me I'll, I'll watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, force yourself to get out of your comfort zone. You know, watch something that's, I don't know if I should. You should. Mm-hmm. Especially if you want to be a filmmaker. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't narrow your perspectives of things. So um, before we go, um, and then we talked about Psych Light and your future projects. Is there a movie um, that you haven't seen yet that you want to see soon? If you, you know, is there a movie out there you haven't seen yet that you want to see? Oh, uh, just like anything that's coming out, or new releases. Yeah, um, I, I'm. This is killing me. Just waiting for news of a U.S. release date. But Victor Arise is one of my favorite directors. He did okay. like Spirit of the Beehive, El Sur. This is only this one that's coming out now called Close Your Eyes. Is his fourth feature film that he's made in his 50 year career. Wow, and I, I don't think I've known about this. Okay. Oh yeah, the Spirit of the Beehive. That's in Guillermo del Toro's top three movies of all time, and you'll see why when you watch it. Hey, but Guillermo. Yeah. Yeah, if Guillermo loves it. Then You're right. He loved Barbie. He he, he loves all the good shit, right? Yeah. Um, he does. But so I'm waiting for news for like a U.S. release. Like I was gonna try to see it at the New York Film Festival, but I could not get tickets. For the life of me. <laughs> so, but you might have to get tickets if you want to go to the film fest, yeah. New York Film Festival in twenty twenty five. You got to get your tickets yeah. now. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's probably the one that I'm like excited to see okay. the most coming up. Otherwise, it's like hell. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. The Boy and the Heron, you know, Miyazaki's new one, um, Saltburn. I'm, I'm um, really looking forward to because a lot of my critic friends from Minnesota Film Critics mm-hmm. Alliance have really judged Past Lives as one of the best yeah. movies so far. And oh, I love it. that film. Have you seen it? I saw it in the theater. Yeah, I love okay. it. I'm really looking forward to see it because they, I'm yeah, I'm curious about Maestro. Um, you know, aside from like all the controversy surrounding um, Leonard Bernstein's nose <laughs> in the film. Um, Maestro. I mean. Brad- yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot about that. So, yeah, it's yeah. Bradley Cooper. So like, and even though a Star Is Born was not like is not a go to movie for me, it's still a very impressive. Like first feature, I was actually when I judged it, I was very impressed with the cinematography of it, the framing mm-hmm. and composition of the whole story. Yeah, right. That's something I won't go. Back I really to, think but it was he crafted was. really well. Yeah, I think he really was meant to direct because like for a while he was going to quit film altogether. And then, like, he got those opportunities. Um, yeah, Napoleon. Oh, that's uh, going to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> it it's, is. A, it's one of those... Um, Napoleon's almost like, for film, a character that's... Everybody wanted to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I think even um, Kubrick wanted to do a Napoleon film. Before. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, like... Yeah, you better be ready to do that film. Yeah, I, or, I, I think there's a documentary about... Kubrick's um, Napoleon that he never got to make. <laughs> he, he, he waddled for it for ten years on how he wanted to make that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a you better have very much a lot of confidence in you to make yeah. that because there's a lot of people who have been tempting to make mm-hmm. a Napoleon movie that just oh, yeah. misfires. So yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see what they're yeah. Gonna oh yeah, me too. I know Wim. I know Wim Wenders has two new films coming out. Wim. Wim Wim Wenders. Yeah. Oh, he has two of them. Yeah, one's called Anselm, which is actually a 3D movie, 3D documentary about you know the artist Anselm, and then this new feature film called Perfect Days, set in Japan. And he's been one of my favorites for years, so it's like, he's, bring it on. He's one of those that was born to be a filmmaker. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can't tell you. Like, I never get tired of, like, Wings of Desire or 
Paris, Texas. <laughs> I love that conversation because he was from Germany, and the only movies he really enjoyed came from America. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he met Dennis Hopper, and they were going to yeah. do a film together. And Dennis Hopper's, you know, is like, yeah. I really like your films from Germany. And he's mm-hmm. like, What? I thought they were crap. I really like your American <laughs> movies. <all there." laughs> I mean, the, he's to me, he's like this. He's kind of the same as like Chloe Zhao, where he's like making movies about like other cultures that fascinate him. And Chloe Zhao does that same thing because she did um, the writer. Yeah. If you ever done like Nomadland, so like the stuff. Right. Yep, the writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was really impressed with the writer. Oh yeah. That that's one's holds scenes mm-hmm. to the point you're like, how long are we gonna keep? Yeah, this? for yeah. me, for me, that's like that. That does take balls to like go like make a movie about like a culture like maybe you didn't grow up in, but like you're extremely passionate about, it and you're just like constantly learning about it absorbing it but you also probably have to takes somebody that's not familiar with that culture to come mm-hmm. in and just yeah but i mean you also have to be the right kind of filmmaker to do that you know and you have to do it for the right reasons because i've seen filmmakers you know they'll go make a certain movie about like a certain culture but they're they'll do it for like all the wrong reasons exactly yeah well dan thanks for coming man this is great. I don't. I, we always see each other at film uh, cons, yeah. and film festivals. We just like, hey, hey, it's nice to sit and chat with you. Oh yeah, this was this was awesome. That's, yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, definitely have to come back and talk more about movies. Oh yeah, I would love that. <laughs> I think of all, yeah. Hopefully, our listeners will too. <laughs> all right, Dan. You know, uh, we'll put the link on to link down below so people can see. Mm-hmm. Um, psych light psych light yeah. and then uh, yeah when you come out with your next uh, movie you have to come out and talk more films with us oh yeah yeah yeah. I, I mean if you want me to come on just to talk about films in general like shoot yeah I'd yeah. love that yeah. alright Dan you know of course it's not over till the guest says it's over unfortunately it is over <laughs> <laughs>